With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today on Stick to Football, we are breaking down the weekend, baby. We got Mello, we got Connor. You can check us out on Bleacher Report's YouTube page. Guys, we're going to get into college football with our picks. We're going to blind review the Thursday night game. We're going to talk a lot about the trades. We're also going to draft our top five surprise Super Bowl teams. So a lot of college, a lot of NFL. But first, some announcements, guys. Our London event, the details are in. We we thank you for your patience with this. Uh, it's been, uh, there are phones that work to call London, but we've had some issues with it. So O'Neill's <laughs> Irish Pub, Sunday, October 27th. Mello will be 32 years old, but he will not be there. From 4 to 6 o'clock, they will have the NFL games on. We'll be watching them, recording the podcast, and probably just getting smashed on pints and then eating a ton of fish and chips. But also, Alabama LSU, if you don't live in the UK, we will be on the quad November 9th. Alabama uh, hosting LSU. This is probably the game of the year in college football. We will be there. A free tailgate. I already have people signing up. I would love it if y'all could DM us and let us know you're coming because we need to know how much food to order and how much and uh, refreshments to buy. Oh, yeah. So hit us in the DMs. I'm so excited for that game. I, I am too. I mean, and not to take anything away from the other stops that we've been to. Uh, LSU Texas was great. Madison, I loved. I truly loved that place. But this game just already has a different feel to it. It's going to be a number one two matchup as long as these two teams take care of business, and I really hope they do. Uh, up until November ninth, I'm very much rooting for LSU and what they can do. They, I just pray that both of them are undefeated when we go see them. Yeah, that's what I've been holding on each week, especially watching LSU, because they've had so many tough opponents and they still have some ahead where it's like, please don't lose. Please don't lose, because if these two teams face each other undefeated, I mean, the hype around this game, it's going to almost feel like a national championship game in the beginning of November. So we can't wait to be at the quad. We can't wait to be in London. Please, if you're coming to either, reach out to us. Let us know you're going to be there. Having more of an idea of the numbers helps us for drinks, food, all that stuff. We can't wait. Now, I know, Matt, I see something in this rundown, and I have no idea what it is. So I'm going to let you take it away. Well, uh, Melo just had a seizure, and I want to know what's what. Well, Connor was talking about this game. This might be the best game you see all year. Yeah. It might not yeah, be right. the national championship yeah. game. These might be the two best teams that we have in college football. And you can go see it in Alabama, which is pretty much the mecca of college football. So if you're, if you're not there, you are really missing out. You're going to have some serious FOMO. I just hope LSU takes care of Auburn. Because if they don't, then yeah. this game, eh, then it's not as big of a deal. Our ticket prices are going to drop. All right. Yeah. A surprise addition to the rundown. I haven't told Melo O'Connor about this, but... Last year, right after Halloween, I got really upset because we should have asked you guys to dress up as us because that is how big my ego is. But (laughs) because of that ego, I'm going to give you guys some money. Dress up as your favorite or least favorite stick to football host. Post a picture on Twitter or Instagram or both. Tag us in it. 
the best costume. I'm going to Venmo you $100 out of my own pocket. Best costume. You just have to dress up as a host. And yes, Mello, this is open to you. Yeah, and I will retweet the hell out of it. I think I'm just going to find a way to dress up as Matt. Just be... I don't even know how I would do that, but I will figure something out because if it's a hundred bucks, if that's on the table, there's not a lot I wouldn't do for one hundred dollars. I was say that's a pretty easy hundred dollars. I, I mean, you throw some pomade in your hair or <laughs> you know, whatever you want to do. You want to start tweeting uh-huh. like a dad, then you got the back <laughs> costume down. Right. This is an easy hundred bucks right here. Just carry a case of natty around with a Texas t shirt and you're mellow. Boom. No, I mean, yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, it's really that easy. All right, let's get into the actual show, guys. A ton of trades this week. It starts with Jalen Ramsey finally being moved. The Los Angeles Rams swoop in. They send a 2020 first-round pick, a 2021 first, and a 2021 fourth-round pick to Jacksonville to get a 24-year-old corner who is shut down caliber i want to know what you guys think of this trade and then and also not only for jacksonville to move on from him but for the rams to give up so many picks Uh, so i think this is a win-win situation for both teams i think that the rams go out they're three and three right now they're sitting there saying we have to turn this around go get the best shutdown corner in the league i love what they're doing there but i also love it from the jag standpoint because they're going and getting a lot of first round picks you have gardner Minshew, who might be your future there at quarterback. Now you can surround him with some other pieces. Yeah, you're giving up a corner who's great, and I love Ramsey, but you can also go get another receiver or some other pieces on this defense that set you up for year two, year three of this Gardner Minshew era. I really like it too. I look at this trade, and I think there are, like Melo said, there's a way both teams can win. Now, the big one for me, and this has been – This has been the opposite on Twitter. Twitter and everyone really values these first rounders a lot more than I personally do. When the picks are in the 20s, maybe 30s, I look at this Rams team. I know they're three and three. I know Jared Goff has struggled recently. A lot of things have gone wrong for them. But I still think this is one of the best teams in football. And I still think they can be one of the best teams in football for the next two to three years where... They're not going to be. It's not like the Steelers sending a first rounder for Minka Fitzpatrick. That's going to be probably a top ten pick. On the Jacksonville side, you should stockpile picks. The relationship was done between him and Tom Coughlin. That's a shame. I really do have some problems with that. You've seen Doug Marone's frustrations in press conferences already. But I like the move for each side. I don't think it's an. If people look at all those picks and go, "Wow, that's a lot." This is a 24-year-old, one of the top corners who plays. It has a great attitude on the field. I think he's going to bring a different kind of uh, you know electric energy to this Rams secondary and hopefully reignite them for the rest of the season. Yeah, guys. The uh, excuse me, puberty. Uh, <laughs> the lead to my scouting notebook article this week is about the the team's willingness to trade first round picks, and I, I think that we see that now. We see the Rams do it. We see the Texans traded for the best left tackle in football. Yes, it cost them two first round picks, but oh wow, their offensive line woes are solved. Amazing how that works. So I believe this is win win for both. If the Jaguars hit on these picks right now, they would own six and sixteen in the first round. Those aren't easy picks to hit, and I think you can look at the success rate of first-round picks. It's about 50%. The success rate of Jalen Ramsey, that's 100%. So maybe I'm just conservative as a general manager, or maybe this is not conservative because you're trading first-round picks, but I would rather go for the proven 24-year-old shutdown corner or the proven 23-year-old left tackle over 
the potential of a draft pick. Like you said, I'm, I'm not as high on picks as everyone else. Yeah, I think it just comes down to how you want to work your salary cap. Do you want to pay that much to a yep. corner, or do you want to try to go out and find your own guy that you can control for like the first five years of his career? I want to pay that much Which work. is very difficult to do. I, I mean, paying Jalen Ramsey, there's a reason why you're paying him. You know what he can do. You know what he is on the field. Yeah. And I'll say, and, and it, yeah, sorry, they didn't give up. They didn't give up two first round picks for a running back or a linebacker. Or, right. You yeah. know what I mean? This is cornerback. The premium positions in the NFL, and we say it on the show year after year, starts with quarterback. But then you look at pass rushers, offensive tackles and corners because of how difficult yep. the position is to play in today's NFL. Yeah, and speaking of corners, to do this, the Rams traded Marcus Peters, which opened up some salary cap space. This was kind of the precursor to the deal. Marcus Peters, a a very talented player, uh, a little bit enigmatic. He will be a free agent after this year. It looked like the Rams were not interested in re-signing him long-term, so they go ahead and trade him. They get in exchange for him uh, Kenny Young and then also a 2020 fourth-round pick. So they pick up an extra pick and, and also get a linebacker who was a very good athlete coming out of UCLA, but also a player I had ranked as a day seven, a day seven, a round seven pick just because of, you know, instincts. He's been a healthy scratch at times for the Ravens, but they feel a, a potential need for speed on defense. And they get rid of a guy who I think could be a little bit of a locker room problem. We've seen that in Kansas city. If he's not happy with how things are going. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had his fair share of run-ins with defensive coordinators and teammates. So I, I understand moving him, especially as soon as this happened, I think everybody on Twitter at least blew up. It's like, if you're moving on from Marcus Peters, you must have a play for Jalen Ramsey. So I think because of the Jalen Ramsey trade, I'm on board with the Marcus Peters one. You wouldn't want to give up a great corner unless you have another one coming in. So I love what the Rams did. Uh, they shipped a guy out, dumped some salary, bring in another corner who's probably, who is even better. And plus, you get a little bit of return for it. It's not just a salary dump. Kenny Young could be potentially good and fill in a roster spot there. I don't, he's not a difference maker. But when you tie everything in with the Jalen Ramsey trade, I think it looks good for the Rams. Yeah, and I'll take the Ravens side of it here. I really like it for them. They're not absorbing any long-term money. He's a free agent after this yep. year. Marcus Peters' play, Matt, you alluded to this right off the top. It's been all over the place. Sometimes he'll have a game where you think he's a top-five corner in the NFL, and sometimes he'll have a game where he should be put on the bench. That's how Marcus Peters play. Now, Baltimore, they develop players in the secondary. They also signed some good ones. Tony Jefferson, I know he's hurt now, but Earl Thomas. They have pieces in that secondary where if you can get Marcus Peters, if you can get him right for this year in a dogfight of a division right now with Cleveland and the Ravens going back and forth, I like it because it's a risk we're taking that has no long-term repercussions if it doesn't work out. It is kind of weird. Peters picked off Garoppolo last week. And they're like, all right, see you, buddy. We, we can get Jalen Ramsey. Adios. Uh, last trade the Rams made. They did make three wins this week. Austin Corbett, who was the 33rd pick of the 2018 NFL draft, traded to the Rams from the Browns, where he could not break this lineup. And it's interesting that I did not value him this highly. I did have him, I believe, as a late round two or early round three player in that 2018 draft class. Uh, he was an athlete who just needed developed coming out of school. So I think that you look at the Rams, this is going to be a different offensive scheme. Maybe they value more 
uh, of an athlete, more agility in the middle of the offensive line, because this is a big, big problem for them. When you look at team needs for the Rams, it's offensive line. So if he can fix one of those guard spots, that's huge for them, uh, especially a guy, I believe it was a 2021 fifth rounder uh, is what they set off for him. So not, you know, we've we've talked before, guys, like, oh, Brett Veach does this. Trade for Reggie Ragland. Trade for Cam Irving. This is kind of that same mindset of, okay, you were valued as the 33rd pick in the 2018 draft. We're going to send a fifth round pick for you. That is the epitome of, you know, low risk, potentially high return. Yeah, and I think that you're right when you say that he can come in and maybe provide some depth to this team. Obviously, Cleveland wasn't working out, but how many times have we seen a player move on to a different situation like what he's doing and then excel and maybe not go on to be a pro bowler or one of the best centers in the league, but at least have... Uh, a revived career and maybe he can do that it just wasn't working out in Cleveland yeah talk about a bad ROI here when your return on investment is that low after taking a guy top 40 not that long ago it's clearly it clearly wasn't working in Cleveland Uh, I think the player was overdrafted but at the same time the development hasn't been there I like the Rams offensive staff and I know people say well of course Sean McVay and everyone from it gets hired but I think they have the right assistant coaches there to maybe get this guy right where they have enough offensive line problems you're throwing a pick that won't be used from now two years from now is when we'll see that fifth rounder used I like it it's a flyer but it's one that's worth it the Rams are they're loading up to win now. If they don't win a Super Bowl in the next few years, we can look back and say, okay, those were dumb trades, but, but they were yeah. there last year. They were they were in the game. They've got like a solid two three year window at least, I think. Which you should feel good about if you're a Rams fan. I don't oh, understand yeah. all these people. On, take it from me, I'm a Jets fan. I have not <laughs> seen a Super Bowl. The team usually has a losing season way more often than not. It should feel good to have the opportunity to go for it. Not who cares about the draft picks? Go for wins. That's why you play in this league. Go for Super Bowls. It's it's crazy to me how often people overlook that. I love that Les Snead is shot me very like yep. Yeah. We're going to swing the they bat. They want to win. Yeah, We're going to take good. a chance. Uh, all right, guys. I actually want to address something that popped up on Wednesday. Mello and I were having a delicious dinner at the Olive Garden, which that is not an ad. <laughs> it wasn't just the two of us. That no, was. our children were there. It wasn't yeah. Mello and I in a candle. That's what I thought. I was <laughs> right. like, what? We're there for the free wine, okay? And the bread. I didn't even get to enjoy any of the bread because this happened. So we're at dinner, and I get a I get a text from Oregon head coach Mario Cristobal. And I know you're thinking, oh, Matt, humble brag. Humble brag. Nope. He was not happy with me. <laughs> not this uh, time. I put out an article earlier this week, a draft stock, and it was scouts quotes, which, you know, it's like that's a big part of us being on the road, talking to scouts, building relationships. So I quoted a couple scouts and uh, a former Oregon staff member. The piece, they were very critical of Justin Herbert, which if you listen to this show once, twice, three times a week, you're going to know that we have shared that opinion multiple times, that scouts do not like this player. They think he's soft. They don't think he's tough. Coach Cristobal um, strongly disagrees with that opinion. And so I, I put out a little statement on Instagram and Twitter and just let people know that Coach Cristobal has said that Justin has one of the highest football IQs he's ever been around. He's a competitor. He believes he's the best quarterback in the country. He referenced the fact that he's only thrown one pick this year. So I just wanted to, because I feel like, you know, I'm not going to write an article and then come on my podcast and like, oh, no, let's just ignore it. So I just thought I'd open the floor if you guys had any questions or if we just wanted to to say anything about it. This is the part of the job. Like, you're going to piss people off. Um, I I know the scouts that uh, I talked to, I sent them a text. I was like, hey, you're going to see this on Twitter. Uh, Coach Cristobal was not happy about this. But again, this is not I don't think this is a like a one rogue scout who has this opinion. Yeah. And you have to kind of. 
What, what's Cristobal supposed to do in this situation? He's got to go to bat for his guy. So I, I worry about it. Washington. That's what I would do. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, we're going to preview that game later. He's going to bat for his guy, I guess. I, I, a lot of people will love that and respect that about him. But at the same time, somebody had this opinion. It's not your opinion because you've gotten into that problem before. You're just <laughs> reporting what you hear. And I think that a lot of people are interested in that to hear what other scouts in the NFL are saying about a guy that could be the top prospect, the top quarterback in this class. Matt, did it at least end well with him? It did. It ended very well. We texted okay. for a long time last night and it ended with he respects the work I do. He appreciates the work I do. But yeah, he and you know he's gonna he's gonna go to bat for his guy who has a huge game this weekend. You know, and and I pointed out to him in the same article, scouts were down on Jacob Eason, who's playing quarterback on the other side of the field this week. So it wasn't just a shot at Oregon this week. Um, who I mean, it know. took us twelve weeks last year to finally be like, you know what? Yeah, Kyler Murray can probably play football. So like, it'll be okay. People have their ups and their downs, but this week. Not great for Justin Herbert. Go ball out against Washington. You will be just fine. All right. Well, on top of that, we talk about one whatever story, you know, kind of uh, it's it's a tough one to a very fun story. It is time, Mr. Mello, for the blind review. And it was a great Thursday night because the Kansas City Chiefs finally get back on track. This offense looks great. Pat Mahomes is 100% healthy, throws for five touchdowns. The running game looks great. Tyreek is back. I'm so excited to be sitting here on a Friday after a huge Chiefs win. Please, God, let this come true. <laughs> I was going to say, Mello sets the table for the blind review, and I have to follow that. So here we go. Mahomes goes back to the place where we first realized that he could be a starting NFL quarterback in 17-degree weather. In 2017, he's out there throwing no-look passes. He's thrown the lefty in Denver. We saw the Mahomes magic last night. Yes, they miss Eric Fisher, but the Broncos miss Bradley Chubb. I think that was the difference on Thursday night. Yeah, I'm feeling really good on this Friday because not only did I bet on the Chiefs as three and a half favorites in this one? I have a season long bet. Matt was with me in Vegas. Mahomes over under. I took the over 36 and a half touchdowns on the season. Easy money. After those five last night, I'm not even sweating this one at all. Pat Mahomes is back. Stop doubting him. Stop doubting the Chiefs and the Broncos. They're going to stay in our draft conversation going forward. All right. The Chiefs are back and will be back right after this. It is time to break down the week of college football. We're going to preview and pick them. I fell behind a game last week. Uh, I am 27 and 13. Mello's 28 and 12. Connor is 21 and 9. As always, he got a late start on this. It's not like we just let him erase some games that he got right. <laughs> that would be sweet. Uh, I would like right. to. Yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. Let's start here in the SEC. Number nine, Florida looking to bounce back after that loss to LSU. They play at South Carolina, who just upset Georgia. I don't. I didn't put the over-under in this week because I was busy today. Let me just tell you, South Carolina will not win this game. They just they just dated the hottest girl in school, and she like. There's no way their next one's going to be hotter. You're not going to do that two weeks in a row. I'm the, sorry. The line on this one is negative five for Florida, and I actually think that's way too close uh, for a lot of those same reasons. Florida bouncing back off of a loss last week is going to be ready to play. South Carolina is feeling themselves now. They feel like they can take on anybody. But since they upset Georgia, Florida's really going to come into this game and take it seriously. I think that if South Carolina would have just gotten rolled by Georgia, maybe they could upset Florida at home 
I just don't see that happening. Uh, South Carolina really had a lot of breaks go their way with the turnovers, with some missed field goals. I don't think we're going to see that against Florida. I think that they're going to come ready to play. I would even take the points in this one. I'm going Florida with at least a seven-point win. Yeah, sorry, South Carolina fans. I'm a doubter right now for this one. I think Florida just, they didn't get embarrassed. They hung with possibly the best team in the country right now, an LSU team at LSU, probably the toughest place to play in college football. I think they're going to go to South Carolina and be like, whoa, this is much better. Florida rolls. Yeah. Yeah, Florida rolls this week. I I think they cover as well. Here's the big one, uh, at least on the West Coast. Number 12, Oregon at number 25, Washington. Connor has seen Washington in person. This secondary is young. They are aggressive. Washington flies around the ball. Jacob Eason has been hot and cold this year. He has looked unstoppable against bad teams, stoppable against good teams. The line on this, Oregon minus three. And I am taking the Ducks in this one on the road. I just feel like that offensive line is too good. Justin Herbert has done a good job protecting the ball this year. I don't love the skill players for the Ducks. So even like Washington's good secondary, like Oregon's receivers suck anyway. So like Washington's corners being good. I feel like that's a bit of a push for me. So I am taking Oregon in this one. I don't know if they'll cover, but I think they win. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to slide in my super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on, because I don't have the nuts to bet my own money on. Washington is somehow the underdog in this game. I don't get it. Going to Washington is a very tough place to play. They're just loud in that entire state. I like the Huskies in this one. Oregon, you look at what they've done in their last couple games, they really haven't got it done against any good defenses. They're putting up a lot of points on Colorado, on Montana, and Nevada. Now you have to go and face a good defense. They're going to struggle to put up points, and their defense hasn't really stopped anyone yet. They haven't played anyone. So I like the Huskies in this one. I think that whichever quarterback comes out on top, we have to start talking about more seriously as a draft prospect. A lot going down in this game. Washington desperately needs a win. They're at home. I'm taking the underdogs. I love that pick, Mello. I actually put in a real bet for Washington to cover at two and a half. I, I, am, I am a little surprised that this game almost isn't really a pick to be completely honest with you. I'm going with the Huskies. I think this is a great test for Justin Herbert, whether it's Miles Bryant, Elijah Molden. They have a lot of players in that secondary that are tough. They'll get their hands on you at the line of scrimmage. They will look to take away the football. I like the Huskies in this one. If Jacob Eason can just not turn the ball over and keep this game under control, the Washington should win. Big if there, boys. Big if. Number yeah, 18, is. Baylor at Oklahoma State. Stillwater's a tough place to play. That is why the Cowboys are favored minus for the over-under in this one is 68. I'm taking Oklahoma State. And here's the big caveat. Spencer Sanders cannot turn the ball over. And I know that sounds obvious, but when he has protected the ball, they've won ball games. Turn around and hand it to Chuba Hubbard. Baylor cannot stop him. Or if you have to, dump the ball off to him out of the backfield because Chuba should be a Heisman candidate. He is one of, if not the best running back in college football right now. This is simple. Give it to Hubbard. Yeah, I agree with you. The guy already has 1,000 yards this year in just six games. Protect your young quarterback with an amazing running back, with a guy out at receiver and Tylen Wallace. Do some quick passes. Get get this offense going, and then you can kind of unleash. Baylor, I'm not a fan of because I think they've struggled against some teams like Texas Tech last week. Not a great defense there. I like what Oklahoma State can do. I think they can score points. And I think that Baylor, the only reason why we're looking at a 6-0 and team is because they're very untested. I know they beat Iowa State. That was a good win. It was very close, though. 
I think Oklahoma State wins this one fairly easy. Not so fast, boys. I'm going with <laughs> Baylor here. And listen, I wish Matt Rule was coaching my New York Jets instead, but he is not. He is still at Baylor. He is still undefeated. I think they go into a very tough place to play and play very good defense to win this game. Yeah, I will say that Baylor beat Texas Tech. Oklahoma State lost to them in their last game. We saw them before a bye. So a little bit of, I know that never correlates, but it's at least something to talk about. Number 17, Arizona State at number 13, Utah. The fighting Herm Edwards, man. They just keep getting it done every freaking week. Now, Utah is a team we all liked a lot in the preseason. They struggled early on. There was a loss to USC where Michael Pittman Jr. just absolutely went off in this game. It's a 5 o'clock central kick, so it's an afternoon game in Utah. I actually think Arizona State can go in there and pull off the upset. Now, Utah's favored by 13.5, so this is my Super Dog Locks, my underdog game of the week. I don't actually get to do that, but I should because I think Arizona State pulls off the upset. I don't like the points in this one, 13.5, because I think Arizona State can keep them close with that defense. They've, they've been playing pretty well defensively. They gave up a lot of points to Washington State, but that's Washington State. That's what you're going to do there. I'm going with Utah, though. I still love this team, and I still think that they come out as the winner in the Pac-12. I love the way that Tyler Hundley has been playing lately. They're a little bit banged up, but like you guys talked about, injuries just kind of happen, and you have to play through them. So I like the depth here, and this defense against a very young Arizona State quarterback I'm going to be taking the Utes. These guys are going to be out ready to go. Uh, I'm sorry that the Utah fans don't get that extra four hours of tailgating that you're used to, but I think that Utah can still bring the noise and the get to job done. Yeah, this is a pretty big line. Now, I will say something, and I am fully guilty of it. We don't, and the national media really doesn't give Herm Edwards enough credit for the job he's done with Agreed. this program. Wonderful when he job. walked into this program, it was near levels of dog shit. And now it is a top 20 team that is, they're in every game. I, I mean, I like it. So great for Herm Edwards, great for Arizona State. Well done. I hate to say it, though. I'm going with Utah. Come on now. Look at that defense. I think that performance against USC was a fluky game. I don't understand what happened to them. I haven't seen them look like that in any other game this year. I think they'll get right back on track here and uh, roll at home. That's the big thing here, too, guys. They're at home. They'll be ready to play Utah all the way. Yeah, there's a big running back game. Eno Benjamin and Zach Moss, two guys who could not be more not alike. Less alike. There we go. That's the word. <laughs> hey, uh, I, uh, I think yep. this Utah defense, though, is really going to get after the quarterback, too. Uh, Daniels has struggled. He's been getting sacked a lot. I know he's put up a lot of numbers. This is not a defensive line that you want to try to test. No. They've got some guys on there that can really play. So that's why I'm, I'm sticking with Utah. Here. All right. The last one, number 16, Michigan. They have been hot lately. But at number seven, Penn State, the whiteout will be in effect. And guys, I'm taking Penn State in this one, which these are like the two schools that I've been the most down on and probably been the most wrong about over the last two years. I just really did not see Penn State being able to bounce back from post Saquon, post Trace McSorley, post Miles Sanders. They're still just winning football games. They're favored by nine in this one. Mellow's boy, Sean Clifford, just keeps going off. KJ Hamler might be small, but he makes big plays every Saturday. I don't think Michigan can slow down Penn State enough to win this game. No, and I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I like Penn State here. I like their defense. I did not expect to like this Penn State team as much as I did, which is why I was very hard on Sean Clifford in the beginning of the year. It looks like he can play. I know both offenses have struggled against Iowa, but I do think that this offense for Penn State can put up points. I think it's going to be a close game, 
But I think that the difference is going to be a guy like K.J. Hamler, the receiver at Penn State. Make a big play. That could be the difference. It could be a 14-13 type ball game here. But Penn State has more of those game-breaker home run threat guys. And I just haven't seen it from the Michigan offense. And I hate to piss off our Michigan fans. Scoring 42 points against Illinois does not impress me. Scoring 52 against Rutgers not working for me. I'm looking at the game where you could only score 24 points against Army, 14 against Wisconsin, and three points against Iowa. You got to get something going with this offense. It was supposed to be the strength of your season this year with these receivers, with a senior quarterback. Penn State is not going to make it any easier with guys like Micah Parsons running around. We've been very harsh on this Michigan team this year, and I think this actually will be a close game. I still have to go with Penn State because after seeing that Michigan front get destroyed by Wisconsin, I know Penn State is not Wisconsin. Penn State is a very good football team, and they can run the ball. They are tough. I think I was way too low on them. They are a very for real top 10 team. I am excited for a potential Penn State-Ohio State matchup here down the line. I like this Penn State team. I like watching them play. They win in different ways, and that's that matters so much in the Big Ten. So Michigan is walking into a bit of a buzzsaw in this game. I don't think they'll embarrass themselves, but there is no way I could see them pulling off the upset. It is top five time, and today's topic is the top five surprise Super Bowl team. So don't give me your Chiefs, Niners, Patriots. Basically, all my teams yeah, are out. There you go. Eliminated. You come up with those three. Right? Uh, weird. I'm good at picking football teams. And I get to go first because I think we're going in age order, maybe. I don't know what sure. we're doing. So <laughs> first pick. I am going to take the Baltimore Ravens. And I know that there's maybe this is a controversial pick because they're four and two. They're running away with the AFC North. They would be a surprise because I thought this team would suck this year. I did not think that they're what they have at receiver. I didn't think it would be enough. They kind of got a running back by committee thing going. They lost CJ Mosley. They just did not look to me like a team that was ready to make this type of run. Oh, they have. Lamar Jackson is playing at an incredible clip. Even with injuries on the defensive side of the ball, they're still getting it done. The Ravens are my number one pick as surprise team. Hey, you took the Ravens, so they're off the board. You talk about quarterbacks that have struggled and maybe they are playing outside of the expectations. I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings here and Kirk Cousins. This dude has been playing outside of his mind lately. I think that this defense is in place. The receivers are amazing. Dalvin Cook like looks like a different running back than what we saw early in his career. He's healthy. I actually think the, the Vikings here can make a strong push, maybe even get on top of their division, and make a run in the playoffs. All right, now I'm going with uh, a bit of the mat route here. I am taking a team at the top of their division, but I don't think people are picking the Texans to be in the Super Bowl, and I'll tell you why I do think they can sneak in. I think Deshaun Watson can win you any football game on any given day. I think it's as simple as that. I think he is in line for an MVP award this season. I really do. I think this team is only getting, you know, getting more momentum, new offensive line pieces in play. Uh, Will Fuller is back. There's a lot to like about the Texans. Now, as we go down this top five, the chances of these teams is going to get drastically worse. So I'll start with one that is quietly having a great year. Uh, and you actually get to go again. The beauty of the snake oh, draft let's, is you now get to steal teams. Let's bring it back. Okay, I also kind of hate this pick because I feel like it's become super obvious with the move they just made. But let's talk about the Rams. They are 3-3. Three and three. Put it in for him. <laughs> things, are, things are not good right now with Jared Goff. Uh, the Todd Gurley is hurt. That's been a key storyline. But even at 3-3, three and three, even trailing the undefeated 49ers, 
I think Sean McVay will get this team right. I still think they win 11 games. Uh, they are, they'll be fine. I'm not worried about them at all. Aaron Donald is the best football player probably on planet Earth, the things he could do. So the Rams, it's crazy to talk about a team to be a surprise that was just in the Super Bowl. But they are 3-3 three and three right now. They got some catching up to do. Yeah, I agree with you. They definitely would have been one of my picks. I'm going to stay with uh, Connor's NFC East here. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. I really like this team. I like the way that they're built, and I actually I don't think they're playing their best football yet. They're still sitting there 4-1 and one, just behind the Patriots, and they played them pretty well so far this year. So I'm going to go with the Bills. I know that Josh Allen's young. I'm not his biggest fan. He turns the ball over a lot. All you need is one game. One game where he can just go out, ball out, not turn the ball over, and you can win the Super Bowl. I mean, you can do it with this running game. Plus, I just want to see Frank Gore get one. How are you not Josh Allen's biggest fan when you have a tattoo of him? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. You don't. That tr- oh, it's, oh, yeah, it's back well, there. Well, we can't confirm that he doesn't have it. <laughs> This is very true. Thank you, Connor. I know. He just secretly went and got it. (laughs) The spider bite is where it happened, and they had to cut it off. Yeah. Right? The the spider bite was actually a tattoo, and then it got really infected. Infected. That's what happened. Don't go go. to a cheap tattoo artist. Right. Lesson learned. All right. My second pick. I can't believe they were still on the board. I want to take the Seattle Seahawks. I think they are only getting better. If Deshaun Watson doesn't win MVP, Russell Wilson probably will. He has been for real. I want to see what happens with Will Disley going down. I think they really were relying on him in the passing game, but the defense is good enough. The coaching's obviously good enough, and the quarterback is a superstar. Now, coming back around to me, I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys. I know that the shine has fallen off this team a little bit the last few weeks. I mean, fuck, they lost to the Jets, guys, so they're not looking fantastic, but if they can get back on pace with Dak, with Zeke, if they can just get healthy with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, I think there are enough pieces there, and the NFC East is just bad right now, so they could back their way into the playoffs and maybe make a run you're just trying to piss off every jets fan <laughs> yeah <laughs> every time he gets end. a chance every time <laughs> right they're just gonna hate you uh all right i'm gonna go with another surprise team led by a young quarterback because that's the trend i'm going with here the carolina panthers i'm on board with this kyle allen stuff i think that he's playing very well this year uh, the running game with Christian McCaffrey, obviously, is going to excel. The defense doesn't look too bad either. I wouldn't be surprised if they even bring in some more guys. I really like the Panthers. And even though Kyle Allen went to Texas A&M, he left there so I can root for him. I like what they're doing. I I think that Cam Newton, once he gets back and he's healthy, he needs to step up on board as a guy, as a locker room guy that brings this team together to set them over the edge. I think that it could be a surprise pick for the Super Bowl. All right, this is where it starts to get fun. I am taking in our third round here to uh, cap off our third round, the Detroit Lions, who got jobbed against the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers right now are probably one of the best teams in football. You will not see them on this top five because they are not available for us to pick because they're too good. The Lions, they've hung with the Chiefs. They've hung with the Packers. Some would say they got cheated out of a win against the Packers. Listen, we were harsh on them over summer. I think nobody has given them love. I thought Matt Patricia would find a way to get himself fired this year. Wrong, wrong, wrong. The Lions are doing everything they can to prove people wrong. And even though that only amounts to a 2-2-1 two, two, and one record right now, I love having them on that list because at least they're showing week to week that they won't be embarrassed by anyone. They're going to hang tough with everyone. My next pick here, I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts. Now, when you watch what this team is doing, 
it's an absolute bummer because you sit there and you go, man, if they had Andrew Luck, what would it be like? But at least they're staying competitive week to week. This roster that Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds have built is a very competitive roster. The offensive line is very, very good. Marlon Mack looks like a, a different player all of a sudden. Jacoby Brissett has not fallen apart. So the Colts right now, it's not talked about often, but they're hanging around that division. Yeah, well, Connor just took everything that I was about to say, so I hope that it was all good. (laughs) Now I'm scrambling to find a different team here. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe not that big of a surprise, but again, this is a team that's sitting three and three. They're third in their own division, uh, not looking great. So maybe they're tied for the. I don't want to get that wrong because Eagles fans will kill me. They are tied. They're second in the division right now. I think that their path going through the Giants, the Redskins, that should be some wins. The Cowboys, I don't know who they are anymore after they lost to a very, very good Jets team because I love the Jets (laughs) and they play very good football in New York. But I I think the Eagles are a team that have been there before, even though it wasn't Carson Wentz. They could get on track, and if they're just healthy, if they're healthy, they're one of the best teams in the NFC. You know what the Eagles should actually do? Trade for Nick Foles. (laughs) Right? Right? Just bring him back. I don't know if you guys saw because we had just sat down to record, but Justina Anderson from ESPN had a, a... quote from an Eagles player, an unnamed Eagles player that was like, we need to simplify some shit because like even Peyton Manning knew to check down at the end of his career. Like they kind of went at Wentz anonymously, of course, but still. So I, maybe There's they should some talk in that locker room before, though, about players yep. not liking Carson. Yeah, White. this is, comes around every once in a while. And I would love for somebody to do a full story on it because it's unexplainable, but there's something there. We need to get tied down on this story. Yeah, he would Stat. kill it. All right. Number four for me, speaking of trading Nick Foles, give me that Minshew mania in Miami, the Jags, as I don't even know if it would be a surprise if they made it at this point. This is a team, I mean, they have played everyone closely at this point. They're two and four, but their point differential is only minus 14. I think the loss of Jalen Ramsey, getting rid of some of that attention, I think this team could be galvanized by it. They could rally around it. Leonard Fournette's been playing very well. I love their young receiver core, especially DJ Shark. I think Minshew is just starting to heat up. So again, this like we're 16 deep right now on a surprise team, so don't tweet me and be like, you're right. <laughs> you know, an idiot. I know this is highly improbable, but I'm here for it. And my last team, I don't know if the Chicago Bears can be fixed, but I know the defense is good enough that if they could just score nine points, they could probably win a lot of football games. Akeem Hicks going out is huge, but you still have Khalil Mack. You still have Kyle Fuller. You still have Eddie Jackson. Roquan Smith is back. This is a team that has so much potential on defense. If someone offensively could just do something, it feels like they could start to make a run in an NFC North that is, they're not that far behind right now. They're a game back, or excuse me, two games back. They could still make some noise. Fellas, we are digging through the trash here Ooh, now. Not uh, easy. Just, <laughs> running out of teams here. So I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers because I like Phillip Rivers. They have no fucking chance to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> they're two and four. Their best defensive player is hurt in Derwin James. Maybe the edge rushers can get something going and they can Get Melvin Gordon back. That will help. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to say the Chargers. All right. For the last one here, this is going to surprise some people, but I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. No, I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) (laughs) The New York Jets. They're going to be in the toilet bowl this year. But uh, speaking of the toilet bowl, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns here. The Browns have a Super Bowl caliber roster and an XFL-level head coach right now. So if they let Todd Munkin take over, they might be able to uh, rip off some wins. 
in all seriousness, Baker needs to get right. I don't think just trading a million assets for Trent Williams is necessarily the answer to that. There are more problems with this team. But listen, we're in the final pick of this little draft we're doing here in terms of on paper talent. The Browns have as much of it as anyone. They just don't look ready week to week. It is draft on draft time. And God, we got to start putting like a, we just need a little cooler right here with beers. We need to start having beers again during draft on draft. We record at night. There's a fridge right. People can see me pointing right there with old beer in it. Like, I don't know why this will be the last Thursday night that we don't have beers during draft. draft. Men sick of it. You don't have to talk me into drinking. Everyone knows. Did you see, by the way, there's a Waffle House in Atlanta that's going to start selling beer. No. How will we survive the senior bowl? If this becomes nationwide, how will we survive just society in general? If we're getting that was drunk people, more alcohol at Waffle House. Yeah, that's, that's a great, uh, idea for Waffle House, an awful idea for America. Like, let me so. just keep getting drunk and ordering more hash browns with gravy on them. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, we already see people just passed out there. I guess now they see won't be passed out. Not pointing any fingers. Oh, I was like, why is that an air quote? Yeah. All right, okay. let's get into the actual questions. From Adam Kuhn, would Cardale have been a first rounder after just three games starting at Ohio State? This Cardale Jones 2016 NFL draft. No, he would not have been. I know that this is like the Matt Barkley would have been a first rounder had he left after a junior year. No, he would not have been. He was just hyped because we hadn't dug into him yet. Cardale would have been slaughtered for only starting three games. Now, he might have been drafted higher than the fourth round where he ultimately ended up. But there is no way in hell, if you go back to that 2015 draft, that this man would have been a first round pick. Uh, Not so fast there, Matty. Paxton Lynch went in the first round of this okay, draft. Well. Uh, and I hate to do this to you, Connor, but also Christian Hackenberg was drafted in the second round of that same draft. I think Cardell Jones's arm alone would have put him in the first round. I don't think that would have put him into a great situation where we would be like, oh my God, look at Cardell Jones today. Like He's probably still going to end up in the XFL, but I actually do think he would have went in the first round. Uh, so much of what I think happens with the draft is, where is your stock? Are, are you hot? Are you rising? Because that helps your draft stock. If not, then you probably should go back to school. But I, I do think that he would have went in the first round. Yeah, I think the interviews and the board work work would have been really interesting for him because I think he even admitted that he I don't know if he was ready for that yet. He needed another year to go back. And on the flip side, if you read the latest tight end piece about Deshaun Watson, that was something, an aspect of his game that blew away the Texans, how great his board work was. And they were like, okay, this is the guy we could take this guy. So that stuff matters so much. But like Mello said, it only takes one. Maybe somebody comes back in at the end of the first, like the Ravens did for Lamar Jackson. And they say, hey, we're going to go back in before anyone could take this guy at the top of day two. We'll never know. My gut says he would not have been. But at the end of the day, he definitely, unfortunately, hurt his stock by going back to school. Yeah, I've, I've said before, scouting quarterback starts in January. Because it's so much oh, yeah. of the board work, the character, the injury history. You know, and we've seen it the last couple of senior bowls. Guys really shoot up the board. All right. Todd Rice wants to know, guys, when making mock drafts, the team I struggle with most is my favorite team, the Seattle Seahawks. How do you guys make predictions for teams like the Seahawks and Patriots? They'll often go against common draft wisdom. So it's really, really hard. I will say if you want to do a mock draft in April and get those teams right, you need to be a little bit plugged in. Like a couple of years ago, I had Malcolm Brown to the Patriots for about a month. That wasn't luck. Like that's someone's telling you, hey, they're going to draft this guy if he's available. Uh, Otherwise, as like a fan or what I try to do this time of year is I will look at like the Seahawks are not going to draft a corner. The Patriots are not going to draft 
Uh, well, they've kind of flipped everything. But generally, they're not going to draft like a linebacker, a defensive lineman. I know they, they Michael Brown was the one they did take, but now they've kind of gone to a strategy of piecing those together through free agents or mid to late round picks. But the Patriots have drafted a running back in the first round. They've drafted a tackle in the first round. A so receiver. A receiver. They are diversifying, which makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, I think it is really hard with those two teams specifically because you don't know what they're going to value. They might take a guy like Rashard Penny in the first round even though a lot of people didn't expect it. So those are actually two teams that I really struggle with too. A lot of times they're picking at the end of the first round, and since they're already so good, a lot of times I'll just go best player available for both of them. Yeah, you look at the Seahawks, they have a pretty consistent trend of drafting very, they're very heavy on D-line early. I I mean, LJ Collier this year, the Rashad Penny pick, I will never understand. And that came so far out of left field. But before that, Malik McDowell. I mean, before that, Frank Clark. You know, they, even at the top of in second rounds, they are very D-line heavy. I think they look for a certain type of athlete on day three. They'll bet on an athlete over a proven product. So I'm with you. I think they're a very tough team to figure out. They take players that... We don't even have draftable grades on sometimes in the fifth or sixth round, or they convert players, uh, offensive line to D line, vice versa, D line to O line. Seattle's a very, very tough team. Yep, they absolutely are. All right. Anthony Mongaluzzo wants to know, guys, where is Najee Harris as a prospect now? He looks like someone who could be in every down back, but is that true? I like Najee. I have him in round two. I have him right behind J.K. Dobbins, which is like running back five for me, which is a damn good place to be because, uh, that's like second round pick, maybe early third. I think that's great for Harris. He's going to get helped by low wear and tear, a lot like Josh Jacobs did last year. I don't think he always runs as physical as he is to his size, but he's looked more athletic this year than I previously gave him credit for. Yeah, and he's catching the ball well, too. I think we saw that last week. So I have him as my number four running back right now and probably towards that second round area. I I think his stock is rising, though. Uh, He won't have the wear and tear like you mentioned, Matt. And I, I just I really like the way he's catching the ball out of the backfield. I think if he can show that show a little bit more versatility. We've seen big backs like Derrick Henry go early too. So I think if he can show a little bit more versatility and athleticism, uh, he's definitely going to keep rising. I don't know if he can get into the first round just because the other three running backs that are in front of him. I think having two running backs in the first round is maybe going to be hard to do. But Najee Harris, I really like the way he's playing. Yeah, I love Najee. I look at the player, and I think he can do whatever you ask of him. That's catch the ball, pass, protect. Obviously, he's a great runner between the tackles on the outside as well. Uh, He's got very good speed for a 230-pound back. The only running backs that I would have over him right now, and Melo, I think it was just the same for you, would be Swift, Jonathan Taylor, and Etienne right now. And I think Harris is a guy that can climb. I really do. He's a lock as a top five back for me. Uh, I think he's one of those runners that'll go on day two and everyone will be talking about him in fantasy nonstop because he's one of the most productive players in the league. So uh, I love the player and I think he'll be very, very successful. Yeah, big fan as well. All right, last question from the Sir Crunchy. In the last 10 to 15 years or so, how many number one picks can take the mantle as the best player in their draft, especially when it comes to tank for Tua? So not many. I I think that Miles Garrett in 2017 and maybe Jadavion Clowney in 2014, definitely Andrew Luck in 2012. But since I started doing this job in 2011 at BR, those would be the only two that were the best player in the draft that were also the first pick. Yeah, and positional value comes in key there with the first overall pick. A lot of times we're seeing like the one I have pulled up right now is 2013. 
Eric Fisher. Not the best player in that draft, that's for sure. Not even the best tackle. I'm looking at Lane Johnson down here, too. But it's a lot of times it's a quarterback. When we're going to have a better edge rusher get drafted a couple spots lower or a running back or a receiver that's really making a difference, the the top pick is dominated by edge rushers, quarterbacks. Sometimes you get a tackle. Did either of you have Jared Goff as the best player in his class? I did not. No. Uh, no. no, I had Jalen Ramsey that year. Yeah, and even though it was that with Bosa, Bosa. as well. Like yeah. That class was really pretty loaded when you look at it. I mean, at least top-heavy. Laramie Tunsil was in there as well. A lot of the good Chiefs players came from this draft, too. Yeah, when you look down, I mean, the last 15 years, there's so many quarterbacks. And like you said, uh, Matt said this, that Andrew Luck was a no-brainer, of course, for a lot of people. But I don't know anyone that had Baker Mayfield as the number one player. I don't know anyone that had Kyler Murray. I mean, we liked Kyler, but we had him like, what, seventh, eighth? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, Miles Garrett is the one. Miles Garrett is definitely the one. And that one's hilarious to me because if Mahomes or Watson went number one, you go, damn, well, the be- they look like the best. And I love right. Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett is rare. But that class had superstar talents with Mahomes, Watson, and Miles Garrett. So that's a really funny one to me. Yeah, the Eric Fisher one is is obviously not pretty for a lot of reasons. Jake Long is an interesting one, 2008. I think a lot of people thought he was the best player in that class, right? I had Calvin Johnson and Joe Thomas. Oh, no, that's well, 2007. My better. bad. My bad. Okay, yeah. 2008. Yeah, here's a funny story from my history. 2008, I had my own little independent blog. Someone got mad at me and hacked it and deleted my rankings. So I don't have my 2008 rankings. I remember this. They're not available on the internet. You can't find them. So I have 2007. I have 2009. 2008 doesn't exist. The hacker. the hacker. Yeah. Yeah. Was he a that Packer is... fan? Yeah. RIP bartender Dan. This is a great story. He's not the one who did it. Oh. I don't smear a dead guy's reputation more than I already have. Okay. That is our actual show. We will be back uh, Monday. Connor and I will be coming at you Monday afternoon because we are actually home this weekend, which is going to be very, very weird. Uh, but we're yeah. going to be here. Uh, and then next week, we fly to London. I'm going to work on my accent. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, you didn't go for that one, yeah. but it's going to be a blast. So just a reminder, the Monday show next week will be coming to you in the afternoon, re- recapping everything from the college football and NFL weekend. Yep, there it is, boys. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Stick2Football. Mm-hmm.